we've all heard the stories. They come out periodically every couple months where we find out that products targeted to black women have been known to cause breast cancer or have been known to cause uterine fibroids and all sorts of things like that. And while I don't have any sort of conclusive evidence of this, my brain starts to think about how much black women spend on beauty products in general. We over-index on hair care products specifically. We actually spend more than all other demographics in the U.S. combined yeah. on hair products. And we are also the most likely to, re to end up with uterine fibroids, to end up with um, endocrine disruptor, disrupting um, ailments and things like that. So to me, there's, it's really no coincidence that there's a correlation between how much you're spending on these products have been known and tested and proven to cause these issues, and we're the most likely to get them. So it's really, really important that you are cognizant of what you put onto your body as well as what you put into your body. I'm Jackie Reed, Emmy Award-winning journalist, longtime TV and radio host, and vegan. I created this podcast to give you tips on how easy, delicious, inexpensive, healthy, and fun eating vegan can be. We'll also talk wellness and how we can make the world a better place. This is the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me on a very special series of episodes focused on natural hair, health, and products. You may not know, but I recently decided to embark on a natural hair journey. I did the big chop back in January, and let me tell you, it has indeed been a journey. While there have been tears and many frustrating days of just not knowing what to do with my new do, I have no regrets. And now the naturalistas will tell you one of the biggest challenges during the early days of going natural is just figuring out what products to use. And that is true. And as a vegan, of course, I wanted products that did not use animals-derived ingredients and did not test on animals. In addition, as a Black woman, I wanted to buy from a company that is Black-owned. So this interview is the first of three, and I'm really excited to bring this to you. My guest today is Gwen Jameer, the owner of Naturalicious. When she launched her company, she had just become a single mom after leaving an abusive relationship but with some encouragement and some knowledge from her loving mother, Gwen went on to make history, becoming the first black woman granted a patent for a natural hair care product. And wait until you hear how she got that done. Gwen is also extremely knowledgeable about healthy hair. You do not want to miss a minute of this interview. So let's get to it. Hi, Gwen. Hey, Jackie. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to be here. Uh-huh. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, it's great to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you. You know, I'm obsessed right now because of my journey um, with becoming a naturalista and just trying to figure out my hair. I'm obsessed with natural hair products, particularly, and I'm trying to find things that are vegan, which can be challenging. It was a while, a while ago, but now not so much. Um, so I'm happy to have you here on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. So let's start about, let's start talking about why you decided to focus on your products, toxin-free. And I hear that you were inspired to start your company in general because of the documentary Good Hair that Chris Rock did back in the day. 
Yeah. So at the time I was pregnant with my son and I was watching the documentary and, you know, in Chris Rock style, he makes it funny, but it's truly, it's really a documentary and you're looking at this and I'm just like, this is part of the documentary where he takes a soda can, he submerges it into a tub of hair relaxer and the can disintegrates. And it is amazing yet appalling to me that this metal can was able to disintegrate in 45 minutes. I was pregnant at the time. So not only am I floored by this thing, but I'm also emotional because I'm pregnant too. And I'm just like, oh my God, my <laughs> child's going to disintegrate like this can if I don't change my habits, you know. But the problem was I was in my late 20s at that point. I had been relaxing my hair since I was nine in the third grade. So it was like, what do I do with this hair? But I had decided once I saw that, that I was no longer going to relax my hair. And to be honest, I only decided I wasn't going to do it while I was pregnant. It wasn't really intended to be like a lifelong thing for me. Okay. So, cause I, I cared about, you know, my baby. So in that moment I decide, okay, I'm not going to relax my hair. What do I do with this new texture I'm going to have? I don't know what this stuff looks like, how to handle it, how to deal with it. Like most people who, you know, go back to natural. And I decided the next day that I was going to go to Whole Foods. So I go to Whole Foods and I start looking for vegan or not vegan, actually I was looking for natural and organic products mm -hmm. and at that time like plant-based wasn't really a term that was you know in in rotation a whole lot so I was looking for natural and organic products I find some I get them home and I try them and they were organic and they were natural but they made my hair look like a big old cotton ball <laughs> and it was like this is not the look I'm going for so I decided that I was going to have to create this stuff myself so I went into my kitchen and I pulled out all the usual suspects, you know, the olive oil, the shea butter, the eggs, the mayonnaise, yeah. whatever, avocados. And I started making stuff at, in my kitchen. And, this list, and I said, mommy, what can I combine with all this other stuff that I've been putting into um, this bowl here to try and make my hair look great? What can I do? Because I don't really know what to do with my hair. So she gave me a ton of suggestions and one of them led me down a rabbit hole to an ingredient called Rasul clay, mm -hmm. which you can only find in the Atlas Mountains of Morocco. Wow. So I sent off for it, it came back, and I mixed it with some other things I had concocted by that time. And for first time in my life, Jackie, it was like the gates of heaven opened up. It was like, oh, like, oh my goodness, my hair can feel like this. Mm. My hair can actually look like that. What is this curl definition I got going on? You know, I didn't even know that was possible for me. Um, and I realized in that moment how important it was for, you know, like you said, for Black women, feeling and looking beautiful is a big deal. And I just realized how, how important, like, our hair is to our self-esteem, to our self-confidence. Yeah. And then it also made me feel really good to know that the products I had concocted were truly organic, were truly at this, you know, by this time they, I created something for myself, so it was vegan, it was plant-based, um, and it wasn't going to cause any sort of damage to my body or, you know, to my, my, child's, my child because they weren't full of chemicals. So yeah, it was Chris Rock who really kind of like put the bug into my, my mind, into my ear that, you know, you should be trying to find and create something that is truly healthy for for you and for your body because a lot of times we don't realize that our scalps are an extension of our skin yeah. and our skin is our largest organ so what you put onto your body goes into your body so you know you got to be really really careful what you're putting on and not just slapping 
anything on just because you see someone say it works for them. Yeah, and I, I see. I think about. I mean, it's just been you know since January that I went natural. Like just last year, I was still getting relaxers, even though I would hear pregnant women or women that were about to be pregnant say, "You know what? I'm gonna not use the the relaxer while I'm pregnant because right, it seeps into you know into your skin. We know this, yet so many of us, you know, still use it. I mean, do you find yourself often just trying to kind of get that message through to women do you find yourself having this conversation a lot often about toxins that are I do, I, think I do but you know what i find myself having even more conversation about is the misinformation that they've been given mm. on the web or through maybe someone on youtube that they saw or someone that they know there's a lot, lot of incorrect information a lot of misinformation a lot of incomplete information about ingredients and so while i don't expect anyone to become a you know cosmetic chemist and find all the different nomenclatures for different um, ingredients there are some basic things that you need to know when you're searching for for ingredients in hair products there are certain things you should just flat out stay away from if you see it at the store put it down it's not made for us <laughs> um and it's, it's just not it's, it's not conducive to our bodies i mean we've all heard the stories they come out periodically every couple months where we find out that products targeted to black women have been known to cause breast cancer or have been known to cause uterine fibroids and all sorts of things like that. And while I don't have any sort of conclusive evidence of this, my brain starts to think about how much black women spend on beauty products in general. We over-index on hair care products specifically. We actually spend more than all other demographics in the U.S. combined yeah. on hair products. And we are also the most likely to, re to end up with uterine fibroids, to end up with um, endocrine disruptor, disrupting um, ailments and things like that. So to me, there's, it's really no coincidence that there's a correlation between how much you're spending on these products have been known and tested and proven to cause these issues, and we're the most likely to get them. So it's really, really important that you are cognizant of what you put onto your body as well as what you put into your body. How difficult was you? Okay, you, you find this clay, right? You come up with this formula, right, for your products. How difficult was it once you, you know, once you, and, and we'll go back and talk about you taking it from your kitchen to store shelves. How difficult was it once you knew you were going to mass produce this to preserve the ingredients with safe chemicals or safe ingredients? It's, it's not up for negotiation. You know, um, our customer, like the name of the company is Naturalicious. <laughs> we can't have chemicals <laughs> in our products, you know. People come to us um, knowing innately that this is a brand that they can trust, you know. Um, what is sometimes a little, uh, not a little, but a lot disappointing is when brands start to scale up a lot of times and they have to find ways to cut costs. Yeah. because they have to purchase in larger quantities. And I understand that struggle. Um, but your customer base starts to trust you. And ideally, most customers don't want to have to look at every single product and confirm that the ingredients are okay. They want to know that the brand that they're using is trustworthy. Um, and they also need to know that that, that owner and that leader at the top levels, um, they have their best interest in mind. And so I think it really helps for me that I am a customer in addition to 
being the leader of the company. It is incredibly important to me that I'm not putting these things on my body because I use these products too. I use them on my son. I use them on my family. And um, I have a very close relationship with my customers. And so it's not, it's not up for negotiation. Um, in fact, we were actually working with a potential partner at one time and they were considering um, changing the type of Russell clay that we use, um, the, the source that we get it from. Where we get it from is like the top of the line, super high quality. And I was like, no, like this is not a, no. If <laughs> they're like, well, no, in order to cut the costs, we can get this quality and no one will know the difference. I'm like, but they will. Yeah. There's going to be a difference. It's, it's not a secret that when people, when brands start to scale, sometimes people start yeah. to realize like, oh, wait a minute, this doesn't work in my hair as good as it did before. Yeah. That's not a, you know, no, we're not going to do that. And so we ended up not going with that, that partner for that reason. Yeah. Um, but my customers know that, you know, they know that I will make those tough calls if need be. So yeah, it's, it's not, it's not debatable. It's not debatable. I love that. So how difficult then was it for you to say, we're going to be, we're not going to use any ingredients that come from animals and we're not going to test on animals as a business owner. Was that an easy decision for you to make right off the bat or was something that, was it always the case? Yeah, it's always been that way. Um, the one thing I'm really, really proud of, of Naturalicious is that how we started is how we are right now. So, you know, we haven't changed, like we the same OG, you know, <laughs> we haven't changed as, as we, as we got bigger. Um, and we have made a very conscious effort to not be another one of many. So there's a lot of hair brands and I, in the hair industry, I like to call it a me too industry. So you'll find if one company comes out with something next thing you know, every other company has it, whether or not it really fits in their product set or not. So if you think a few years ago, when um, argon oil was all the rage. Everybody and their mama had argon. I mean, Kim Kardashian, for God's sakes, had an argon oil. And we know she's not in nobody's kitchen mixing up no argon oil, you know? <laughs> but everyone had one. And we chose not to have one because that's not something that our customers actually said that they wanted or needed. And so we're always looking to see what is what does the customer want? What do they need? Um, our customer is very much into sustainability. She's also very much into, um, she may not actually eat plant-based and vegan, but she definitely wants plant-based and vegan products. Yeah. Um, it's, that is important to her, partly because we've done, we do a lot of education, um, consumer education on why this stuff is important, why it's relevant, why it's necessary. Um, and so they know that and expect that. So it's never, it was never a hard decision for me, um, a question of, you know, if we should, it was never even a discussion, wow. if we should be um, not testing on animals. That was like a given right away. Yeah, I love hearing that. I really, really do. So let me ask you about making history, ma'am, as in, let me get this right, the first African-American woman to get a patent for a hair care product? For natural hair care product, yes. How, what, let me ask, how did this even happen? Like, what, when you got that clay, right, did you say, okay, wait a minute, I need to get a patent for this? No, but like, how did you end up getting a patent for this? Why did that even enter your brain that that was something that you needed to do? Yeah, it really didn't enter my brain. It entered my mom's brain. So I have to give all Your props mom to my mom. Is the best. <laughs> <laughs> she was. I remember we would. My mother is not a mother who is. Um, how do I say? It? She's not really like a co-signer on stuff just because I did it. You know, if I do something, she's very quick to tell me you need to go back to the drawing board with that, or she'll say, "Oh, this is great," but. 
she kind of reserves her, oh, this is great for stuff that's really, really great, you know? And so um, when I, so getting her like approval and, you know, her like sign off on certain things, it really means a lot because I know it doesn't come easily, you know? And so I had created the clay based product, sent it to her and she was using it. And, you know, every time we would talk after that, she would say, Gwen, this stuff is, this stuff is incredible. I mean, like, I don't know what, what you did to it. I just told you about the clay, but it's, it's really, really great. You need to get a patent on this. And I'm like, mom, you can't get a patent on hair products. What are you talking about? You know? <laughs> and she was like, you should just try. And I'm like, mom, you can't. And to let me kind of give you some of the context of where I was at in my life at this point. When I started Naturalicious, I had, when I started as a hobby in my home, when I talked about the Chris Rock documentary, I was married. I was working at, um, I was a global digital communicate, global digital communications manager at Ford Motor Company. So I had a good job. Um, I was married. I had just had, I was pregnant with my son about to have my first child. And so I was in a relatively good financial space in my life. 18 months later, I found myself divorcing my husband, who was an extremely abusive man um, in all ways that you can imagine abuse. Um, I was the breadwinner of the family, which meant that I was paying for my side of the divorce as well as his side of the divorce. So actually at this point, I only had $32 in the bank the day I started Naturalicious. And I got laid off from my job 30 days before my divorce was final. So I have no job, no second income. I'm now a single mother feeling like a statistic because I'm a single black mom. My family doesn't live anywhere near me. Um, They live in a whole nother state. And the day I got laid off from my job, which was March 4th of 2013, is the same day that I decided that Naturalicious could no longer be a hobby. It had to become an actual business. So I'm talking to my mother and she's telling me that I've got to go get a patent and pay like eighteen dollars to $20,000 for an attorney. I've got $32. Where am I going to get this $20,000 from? You know? So in my mind, that's why I give the context of that story, because it's like, not only did I think it was impossible, just period, but just financially, I was like, I'm not going to waste money trying to see if I can even get a patent on this. Because if I don't get the patent, right. I'm out of $20,000 that I don't have, you know? And so... My mom is just steadily on my case. Like every time we talk, which is like every day, Gwen, you need to get a patent. Gwen, you need to get a patent. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna research this so I can prove her wrong and let her know that it's not possible to get a patent on a hair product. So I go and research it and lo and behold, you can. (laughs) So I'm like, dang, now I gotta tell her she's right. (laughs) So Um, so at that point she really started, she really got me thinking, she's like, you know, one day this is really going to blow up. And one day you're going to be sitting at home in your living room and you're going to be watching TV and you're going to see a commercial for some other big brand who's going to have your product pushing it in the commercial and you will have not protected yourself and you won't be able to do anything about it. And so I started to think about how that would feel, how angry I would be about that. And also I started to think about how we as you know, black people oftentimes are the ideators of amazing things and they get taken from us all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? She's right. So I decided that I was going to trade my dollars for time because I didn't have the dollars to spend. So I ended up going to the local library in my area. Luckily, we have an intellectual property section of the library. And I, I just acted like I was back in college. It was like, 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I was there from 12 to 3 studying on patent law, um, the history of it, what was on the books currently. This was, Obama was still in office at the time, so what President Obama had changed or done to, um, for IP law, all that sort of stuff, what was going to happen in the future. Um, and then luckily, we also have the very first um, US, and patent, U.S. Patent and Trademark Satellite Office here in Detroit, where I live. So I was able to go there as well. And I did that for about nine, eight or nine months consistently every day, basically a self-imposed patent, <clears throat> patent uh, law school. And after about eight or nine months, I felt comfortable enough to actually go ahead and apply for the patent. And I felt that I could successfully defend it if I needed to. And I filled out my little application and you have to do a drawing and all this kind of stuff. And I sent it in and I just waited. And about, uh, they told me that they were actually going to grant my patent. And they just wanted to have me answer a couple questions. And a few you know, months later, I received the patent in the mail. So this was all great. And I'm like, wow, I got the patent. Like, look, Ma, I did it. And about three weeks after I got the patent in the mail, the actual document, um, I got another call from the U.S. In patent, U.S. Patent and Trademark Office, and they have a whole department that is um, like the historian section, uh, department of the Patent and Trademark Office, and they called me and they're like, I don't know if you know this, but you are the first black woman in America to have a patent on a plant-based hair care product. Do you know that? And I was like, what? <laughs> Like, they're like, yeah, you're the first to have a patent on a natural hair care product. And it just floored me because it was like, this was, at the time, it was 2015. And I'm like, you mean to tell me no one in all these years has patented their stuff? They probably thought they couldn't patent it too, just like I did, you know? Um, but it just became very evident to me that, you know, we have to be very, very intentional about protecting our IP and our intellectual property. And, you know, I know a lot of times we think about trademarks and with our business names and maybe even copyrights but baby get those patents because when we talk about building generational wealth that's like whole next level Come on. um Come on. especially when we talk about also about especially when we talk about um um selling our businesses you know i know a lot of times when we create things we want to hold on to them and i'm all for that but what i like to tell people sometimes is that you know, if a company or if, a, if an owner were to actually have the patent on a product or whatever they created, they can actually sell their company and still own the business technically, yeah. right? So they can sell that company off. And then that, that patent itself has a whole nother, um, has a whole nother, is a whole nother entity. So yeah. they can then go and create another business with that same patent. They can sell that patent if they want to. That patent has its own dollar amount, which is actually sometimes more valuable than the company itself. Yeah. Like if you think about Nike, you know, yeah. Nike's swoosh is above and beyond, you know, the value of that is above and beyond the value of the actual company itself. Yeah. So um, we just, we really have to start thinking about those things. And while I am the first black woman to have a patent on a natural hair care product, I absolutely do not aspire to be the only. I actually hope that what I achieved in doing that, um, and even the story that goes along with it, like, I didn't have the money to do it. I was a single mother. Like all the cards were stacked against me and I still did it. I hope that that story actually inspires people to realize like it doesn't matter where you are or who you are or what chips are stacked against you or are stacked in your favor, what have you, you can do this. Yeah. So 
representation absolutely matters. And I'm really glad to be that representation for that. And I hope that it really does inspire people to go and um, secure their intellectual property. Girl, I'm inspired. That is amazing that you did it yourself, Gwen. That's amazing. That's amazing. Congratulations on that. I know you've heard that a million times, but wow. That's incredible. So tell me, because I haven't tried your products yet, but I'm going to. So tell me about this clay product. Like, what does it do? This product that you patent, like, what does it do? Oh my gosh. It is, and I, I say this, and I know I sound so biased because it's my company, but it is everything. It's my favorite product that we have. It's called the Moroccan Rasul 5-in-1 Clay Treatment. And it's the first step in our three-step black tip system. So most of our customers just call it step one. It is a five-in-one clay treatment. So it's a shampoo, it's a conditioner, it's a deep conditioner, it's a detangler, and it does the work of a leave-in conditioner. So you don't actually leave it, you don't actually leave it in your hair, but you don't need an additional leave-in afterwards. Hmm? How does it do all Say that one more time? How does it do all those things? So Rasul Clay by nature is a natural detoxifier. So it removes all of the buildup, all of the excess stuff that is in your hair that most not, most normal shampoos can't get to. In addition to that, it's full of silica, magnesium, calcium, all these nutrients and minerals that our bodies should be getting. And also our hair should be getting, but we usually don't get those. Yeah. And so it does all of that. It, it, and not only does it have all these minerals and nutrients that our hair just naturally normally doesn't get that is going to start getting once you start using it, but it's also it also infuses a ton of moisture, which is imperatively important for people with naturally dry hair, which is almost anyone who has wavy or curly hair or kinky coils. Yeah. So the difference in this particular clay is that most clays, such as people may be very familiar with um, bentonite clay, for example. Yeah. Bentonite clay, and also there's another clay called red clay. Those clays, when used in your hair, are actually not that great because while it does remove all the toxins but the problem is that those plays remove all the bad stuff and all the good stuff ah. so what little bit of moisture we have left in our hair which we don't have a whole lot those of us with with um coily and kinky and curly hair we don't have much it removes all that moisture it leaves your hair feeling dry sometimes very brittle that sort of thing Russell Clay, by contrast, is one of the only clays that removes all the bad stuff, leaves all the good stuff, and then gives you more good stuff, which is more moisture. So most people who use our, um, our step one find that they have um, less shrinkage. They find that their hair stays moisturized longer. For the first time in a lot of their lives, they have the same experience that I have, that euphoric experience where you're like, oh my goodness, where did all these curls come from? I didn't even know I had all these. Um, because it's detoxifying your hair. Think about when you detoxify your skin, how fresh your skin looks, how, how fresh your face looks. Basically the same thing's happening with your hair yeah. when you use a product, when you use our step one. Oh my goodness. So how does it work? I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my head around this because if it's a shampoo, it's conditioner. So am I getting in the shower? Like, take me through this. I'm using this. I'm putting it in my hair to wash it. I rinse it out and I'm done. It does all those You're done. In that, come on, Done. come on. I promise you, I cannot wait for you to try it. I probably, and the thing is, most people is so like foreign to them. We'll have people who will try our products, and I'll if, I'll see if I can find um, some incentive to you. We have this one woman who just posted on our group page um, a couple of days ago. She was like, 
I've been looking at these products for some years, years, right? And she's like, I hadn't tried it because my brain just cannot wrap itself around how one product was going to do all five of these things. And I get it, right? It sounds so impossible, but that's the product I received the patent on. So it's, it's on the five in one treatment. So Rasul Clay, what's really great about it also is that it naturally separates the hair for the detangling. So if anyone ever like has detangling issues, um, sometimes when people have wash day, they're spending like, you know, two plus hours. Sometimes they're blocking off an entire day yeah. and they're, you know, calling it wash day because that's the day that they dedicate out their week to <laughs> washing their hair. And for me, it was important to create a product line that didn't take my whole day. I mean, remember when I created this, I was a brand new mother. Yeah. So I no longer had the luxury of spending four hours on my hair. Like my son was a catnapper. So he would sleep for like 45 minutes to an hour. He would wake up and want to get fed and play and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, how am I going to have my hair look awesome, but in a very, you know, small amount of time. And when I looked around the marketplace, I realized no one had created a product line that not only was natural, not only that worked well, but also saved time. Yeah. You know, for black women, we are conditioned to think that our hair is a chore and mm-hmm. that our hair is a struggle. You know, we always hear about, you know, the shrinkage is real or, you know, um, natural hair is a struggle. And, you know, really what we what we exist to do is to remove the struggle, remove the chaos, remove that that pain in your life. You know, your hair is how you feel about your hair is truly an extension of how you feel about yourself. And how you feel about yourself it dictates how you show up in the world every single day. When you feel like you have a good hair day, your walk is different. You have a whole different strut. You know, you take less mess from people because you feel like you got it going on. And when you don't have that, um, you feel, you know, you feel a little bit more defeated. Um, A lot more things get to you. Your self-esteem is down. And for black women in particular, there's so much wrapped up in our hair. There's a lot of history there's a lot of unity, there's a lot of black power, there's a lot of um, like um, discrimination, you know, good and bad things are wrapped up in our hair. So for us, hair is very political, it's yeah. more, way more than just hair, you know? Mm. And so, you know, when I hear black women particularly say things like, my hair's a struggle, it's a chore, I hate my hair, I wish I had somebody else's hair. I'm like, girl, you don't hate your hair. You just don't know what to do with it. Yeah. And if you knew what to do, do with it, you would absolutely love it because you would realize that we are the only group of people that are blessed to be able to have long hair and short hair in the same day <laughs> with no weave and no haircut. Nobody else gets that option. <laughs> Nobody. So what is there? Hey, you, you just need to know what to do with it, you know? And so um, we always say that <laughs> we always say that we like all of our customers are perfect just the way you are physically. There's nothing you need to change about yourself. There's nobody else's texture you need. There's nobody's chemical you need to alter your texture. You're perfect. We want to create products and services and offerings that support your glow and help you shine brighter the way that you were born. And so for us, it's way more than just hair. It's Hair is the, the catalyst, but we are really here. We, we make hair products, but we really sell confidence and swag. And so hair products is just the catalyst to get you to increase your confidence, increase your swag. I love that. I love that so much. Everything that you just said there. <laughs> Long hair and short hair all in one day. I love that. So you mentioned texture. And I'll, I'll tell you for me, one of the biggest um, issues is trying to figure out what product is great for 
my texture, right? I know that I'm in the, whether, you know, I, if just for the sake of putting it in a category 4C, right? That's my hair. It's coily, um, it's thick, um, you know, it is from what's been explained to me, 4C hair. What hair type is your product best for? And, and how do you feel about the whole hair type situation? Because some people don't like the categories. Yeah, so I'll answer the first question first. So as far as what hair types our products fall into, personally, I, I'm one of those people, I really don't like the hair typing system, but I realize that most people, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I realize that most people need to have, need to like fit their hair into some sort of category so they can have some sort of idea, like what do I do with this, right? And so for our products, we actually don't label them like 4C, 4B or what have you. We'd label them tight curls and loose curls. So we have two lines. We have, um, this is the purple. All of our tight curls line has a purple label like this. Okay. Purple. And then our loose curls line, they are pink like this. Okay. You can see that. Yeah. And so we cater to those two hair types. So generally our tight curls, if you want to put it into like the hair typing system, our tight curls lines, our line is purchased by people who have type four hair. So whether it's 4A to 4C. And then we have the loose curls line, which is for people who are generally 3A to 3C. So putting it into those categories. Um, the tie curl, the difference between the two is the, the ingredients are very similar. The difference is the formulation. So people with tight curls, we were, I'm a tight curls girl. We require far more hydration on a consistent basis. And our products generally need to be a bit more dense and thick in order to penetrate our strands. Yeah. We tend to have low porosity which means that it takes more effort and more consistent moisture in order for our hair to be able to accept and retain moisture. And so those purple labeled products are created and formulated for that. Then we have the loose curls line, who those folks, um, they can be low porosity as well, but there are also some there who are high porosity. So their hair attempts to accept um, moisture and, and water a little bit better and more easily. And we want them to be able to have the same beautiful popping curls, but we don't want their hair to become weighed down. And so those products tend to be a little bit more um, lighter in, in density and consistency so that they have the beautiful curls without the weight down. Now, as far as the hair typing, oh, I'm sorry. And then we have one more line that's pretty much for all hair types and that those products are labeled in green like this. This is our gel. And this is my, one of my favorite products outside of the um, step one that I mentioned earlier. Uh -huh. This is actually made with quinoa. I love it. It's made with quinoa. It's got macadamia in it. It's got um, aloe as the base. It's, it's like, talk about plant-based. Like, it's plant-based. <laughs> it's got, like, super alcohol food in it and everything. Free, so really I'm great. on the hunt for a uh, gel that's alcohol-free. That's not going to dry my it, edges. It is alcohol-free. It is alcohol-free. But you know what? I'm going to give you a real quick tip, Jackie, about alcohol. So this is one thing I talk about when it comes to ingredient knowledge. All alcohols are not created equal. Most alcohols are made in a lab, and those are the ones you don't want. So isopropyl alcohol, SD alcohol, um, you know, denatured alcohol, that sort of stuff you'll find in hair products sometimes, and you don't want those at all. So those are types you're talking about. But there's other types of alcohols that are coconut-based. And they are actually humectants. And humectants are ingredients that actually attract moisture to your hair. Mm -hmm. That's what you want. These are naturally occurring alcohols that you actually want to see in your hair products. So 
those are cetyl alcohol and i can send these to you and you know, i can give it to you for the show notes as well if you like it but cetyl alcohol cetyl alcohol and sterile alcohol are three of the coconut based alcohol so let me explain how it kind of works okay. think about grapes you leave grapes out for a long time they ferment and they form a wine right yeah. and, which is essentially an alcohol and you and i drink it we have a good time no problem right all right so other fruits they ferment just like grapes coconuts in this case, you leave them out for so long, they ferment, they form an alcohol, and they are actually super hydrating. So think about coconut water, yeah. how we know how hydrating coconut water is, right? So these alcohols come from the same place as that coconut water, and they too are super duper hydrating. So when you see um, a product label and it says cetyl alcohol, sterile alcohol, or cetyl alcohol, you actually want to see those in your products. And bonus, if you see all three. But if you see SD alcohol, denature alcohol, SD40, anything like that, those are bad alcohols and you absolutely want to put those down. So, <laughs> I don't alcohol, listen. So, so not all bad. Girl, when I tell you I'm going to get all these products for the, for the tight curl and the gel, <laughs> I've been trying to get a gel, you know, yeah. so I can work on my edges, but not have something that's going to dry or damage my, because I'm all about just having healthy hair at this point. I'm not going to put any heat in my hair. I'm not trying to straighten it out. It is what it is. I'm just putting on the best products and letting it, that, that is my yeah. thing. This has been like a class. I love this so much. Well, I want, I could, I could talk to you forever, but let me ask you this. Where can we find your products? Where can we find you know, where can we find, aside from ordering from your website, and is that where you prefer people order from you directly? I am game for whatever is convenient for people. So ordering from our website is awesome. It's naturalicious.net, but you can also find our products on Ulta.com, um, and you can also find us in Sally Beauty. So if you are curious to find out which store near you we um, our products are actually in, all you got to do is go to our website, which is naturalicious.net, click on store locator, and type in your zip code, and it'll tell you which store is closest to you that has our products. But we're in over 1,200 stores across the country. Let me ask you this as a business owner of a hair care company, because one thing that bothers me, I used to live in Harlem. I live in New York now, but when you, I used to live in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta. When you look, you're looking for hair care products and you go to a, a store that has everything, usually those stores are not owned by us. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there was an opportunity for you, for you to put your, your products in, um, in, in, let's say not in a, a chain like a Sally's or, or, or where like Ulta stores like that, but more of those mom and pop stores that are in the community, but th that are not owned by us. And a lot yeah, of so we are owned by, you know, by people in the Asian community um, for some yeah. reason. Yeah. So I will tell you that we, whenever we get the opportunity to work with the smaller independently owned black owned um, suppliers, we actually prefer it um, to working with, you know, other independently owned stores that are not, you know, black owned. Um, one, because we want to keep dollars circulating through the black community, but then also they just have more more knowledge of our pain point. Yeah. And so they're, you know, just from a straight up business perspective, they're actually able to service our customer better. They also tend to care a little bit more. So, you know, when a customer comes in and they're like, hey, do you have Naturalicious? They know where it is on the shelf. <laughs> they know that they have it. It's not in the back usually. Um, 
this it's just a better customer experience overall yeah. and honestly when we've worked with other independently owned stores sometimes it's most of the time it's, it's not that way you know they have the time they don't even know if they got the product they don't know how to say the product name they don't know where it's at it's just you know it's a whole whole situation um and so the customer is then frustrated which although they know in their mind like that's that store you know it's still a reflection on like the whole overall shopping experience with our brand and so um yeah we are actually in some independently independently owned black owned stores and we're looking to be in more so if anyone is out there listening please hit us up at concierge at naturalicious.net because we love working with our black owned um independently owned stores so please 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 let me know all there's not a whole lot of work involved with setting up a, a wholesale account all you got to do is send us your url um your state issued resale license and your address that's it that's and it. we'll get you started i love that okay i got another two-part question for you and this is how did recent events impact your business one with COVID 19 and quarantine people staying home and then two with the whole black lives matter and this focus on racial injustice all of a sudden and you know people uplifting and shouting out and spreading the word on black businesses how did those two things impact your business yeah, so with COVID, I'll talk about that one first. With COVID, <sighs> I will say that beauty is a um, recession-resistant industry. So it's not recession-proof, but it's definitely recession-resistant. So we have more people at home. We actually found we had an influx of, of new customers um, due to COVID. The problem was that we had a bottle shortage. So we had all these customers who are home. Um, and honestly, this was across, you know, all my, you know, competitor friends, we would talk and we'd say, you know, we got all these orders where all these new people coming from, this is great. And it was like, I think people were at home, they were just more focused on being able to accept and receive marketing messages. Um, also, like you mentioned earlier, you couldn't go to the salon, you couldn't go to your local beauty supply, so you're stuck at home trying to figure out your own hair, possibly for the first time. And so you had a plethora of, you know, black women just looking and trying to find stuff that will work for them. And so people who may have been kind of, we may have been on their radar, but they may not have actually tried this before. Now they were like, okay, now I'm going to jump, take the leap and I'm going to try it. So that was great. Our sales, our orders actually went up about 60%, like right at the beginning of COVID. So pretty significantly. The problem was there was a bottle shortage. So across the industry, you saw bottles, just bottle, like these, just bottles that you put your products in, you can't find them. They are, they were being bought by huge corporations who were not usually making hand sanitizer. They yeah. started making hand sanitizer and buying them in volume. So if you're a supplier and you've got an order for 300,000 bottles and you've got this other company over here trying to buy 3,000 bottles, you're going to take that $300,000 bottle order, yeah. you know? And so all of us were, you know, we were being deprioritized versus like the big, P&Gs and L'Oreal's and all these other companies that were, you know, not always making hand sanitizer in the volumes that they were before. And honestly, we still have some issues with the bottle shortage. Yeah. Um, but we got really creative. And I'm very, very, very proud to say that despite the bottle shortage, the first thing that I did when I realized that we are really going to be out of bottles, we cannot get these anywhere. I called up 
people who I am competitors with and said, hey, do you have any bottles I can buy from you? Ego aside, <laughs> do you have any bottles I can buy from you? Um, and they were like, I actually was about to call you. <laughs> and so we were able to buy from each other. Like if someone had, you know, purchased in, in, in mass previously prior to COVID and they had some extra bottles, they were selling it to us. And what was so great is that they were selling them to us at cost. So it's not like they were like jacking the price up, which they totally could have done because I would have paid it because I needed bottles. Yeah. And, you know, they were selling them to us at cost and I was able to do the same for some people. Um, we actually had some caps that we no longer use. We didn't even sell those. We just gave them, to, gave them to our competitors who needed them. And it really became this whole like black women working together kind of thing to keep us all afloat. And it was such a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm really, really proud of that. Um, and because, you know, the, the stereotypes that black women can't work together and, mm -hmm. and all of that. And mm -hmm. we absolutely did. And we were like, we're going to pull each other up and we're not going to let any one of us fail. Mm -hmm. And so that was really great. Yeah. Um, so the bottle shortage is still an issue, but not so, not as much as it was before. Good, good. So as we're just keeping our eye on when suppliers get new bottles, we're purchasing them right away. Now, in terms of Black Lives Matter, um, we still had the influx of orders stemming from COVID, but what we saw was that there was a heightened awareness about buying black, obviously, as you know. We saw people who typically were not our, our demographic purchasing from us, and also some of our retailers who, um, like Ulta, did a, a very large push for black -owned, the black-owned brands that they carry. I'm actually really proud to be an Ulta um, supplier, Ulta, Ulta brand, because Ulta actually has a number of Black-owned brands. Mm -hmm. So while some supply, some stores like Sephora and others were saying, you know, we're going to do the 15% pledge at 15% of our shelves dedicated to Black-owned brands, Ulta kind of already was ahead of the game with that. And so I'm, you know, we've been in Ulta for over a year now, and it's been, they've always been incredibly supportive of, of us. Mm -hmm. um, we also saw people who typically had never heard of Naturalicious now purchasing from purchasing us from those retailers like Sally and like Ulta um, because they were doing such a big push around black owned businesses. Mm -hmm. um, also a lot of media coverage came from that, um, you know, places wanting to know how we feel about black lives matter, how it affects us as a business owner. I will say that my general customer is black. So as a black woman, yeah. so it wasn't like I had, um, you know, I was kind of like a unknown brand and suddenly I had a huge number of non-black people buying from me. My customers pretty much doubled down on purchasing. Um, but it was great to have, you know, so much media attention and that's great for the brand, but also kind of bittersweet because it's like, we want our people to get home safe. We don't yeah. want to succeed because people are dying in the streets, you know, because police can't do what they're supposed to do, you know? Yeah. So, um, uh, but uh, but I am proud that for for what I can remember to be one of the first times in my life, um, this by black um, movement right now seems to be actually kind of sustaining itself. Um, most times, you know, we have uh, a black person, man or woman, who gets shot or killed by a police officer, and a lot of times as a community, we get really enraged, we get really upset, and we say we're boycotting this and we're boycotting that. And it only lasts a short period of time. Yeah. And this time, it seems like it's actually, it's been a few months now. Yeah. Um, and some of those things are still ongoing. And I'm, I'm hoping that it is for real this time. And we actually 
as a community, like we realize that our buying power is so strong and that we actually say, you know what? We're not going to stand for this stuff. Um, we're going to support our own. We're going to double down on making sure that we're intentional and deliberate about our dollars. Because honestly, one of the, one of the only ways that we actually make real change is to affect the finances of the yeah. powers that be. Um, and if we don't do that, it's going to be more of the same. They don't care about, I mean, maybe they do care, but they don't seem to care <laughs> about, you know, um, anything really until their pockets get affected. And yeah. as long as we are, again, intentional and deliberate and we sustain it and we're consistent, you know, that's how we, we start to make changes. And we've seen some things start to happen. I've also seen a lot of performative stuff that I think is kind of like, mm, like, you know, I saw one, um, like the realtors in like Georgia say they weren't going to call the bat bedrooms, master bedrooms anymore. It's like, who even knew that that had anything to do with like, just stop killing us. Yeah. Like, start with that. Like, like, you know, yeah. So, us, <laughs> but the one thing that, yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say about the, the 15% pledge that a lot of the, the stores have said. I said, and I hope like some of them are listening. The 15% pledge is great, right? That's a step in, you know, putting black owned brands on your shelves. However, it is one thing to get on a shelf of a store, a big, a big chain store is another thing to stay on the shelf of a big chain store. Mm -hmm. So while you're providing 15% of your um, shelf space to black owned brands, how are you going to support those black owned brands and ensure that they're successful? Mm -hmm. Because it becomes extremely expensive to run a whole campaign just for retail, especially when in retail, you're generally making 40 to 50% of your total margin. Yeah. So your margins are cut in half. And now you've got to front a lot of money into marketing and all that sort of stuff. So the 15% is great. But what is your plan for making these brands successful? Because if you give the 15% and they don't sell through, you're going to cancel them. And then the consensus will be that black owned brands don't sell. And that's not that's not true. It's just that First of all, Black-owned brands are generally less, far less funded yeah. than our counterparts. So the money is already lacking in that area. Now you've given us shelf space, but you haven't provided any means to success. So what is the plan for that? And that I haven't seen yet. So yeah. I'm looking forward to finding that out. I am as well. I am as well, because I want you um, and other Black women in, in the beauty industry to be very successful. I'm so excited to try your products. I cannot wait now, especially since I've learned. So this has been educational for me, Gwen. I've learned so much, so much. But Yay. thank you so much for being my guest on the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. I could talk to you. I could go on and on. But uh, thank you for taking the time and just being so generous with the information and your story. Um, it was really incredible. Thank you. Absolutely. It's my pleasure, Jackie. And um, I can't wait to, to keep in touch. I'm going to send you some products and you got to let me know what you think. And yes. I'm excited to support you on your new natural journey as well. And congrats to you for you. doing the big chop and, and all of that. So I know it's a journey. So congrats. It is. Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast, the first of three in a series that I'm doing that will focus on Black-owned vegan hair care companies. Now you can learn more about Gwen and her products at naturalicious.net. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and stay sane.